Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us here on the Recruitment Roundup podcast, which is brought to you by BMS Performance. For those of you that are joining us for the first time, BMS Performance is a specialist sales and marketing recruitment consultancy. For the last 30 years, we've been helping businesses across the UK recruit for vacancies at every level. Okay, so welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Recruitment Roundup brought to you by BMS Performance. I'm your host, Mike Leather. I'm the co-host, Sam Musiadira. And today we are joined by a very special guest, um, someone that I've worked with before and known for quite a few years now, um, Aaron Sussex. Welcome to the show. Thanks very much for having me, guys. Really appreciate it. Great to be on here. Yeah, good. Looking to really get stuck into this conversation, I think, as a way of getting started, Aaron. It'd be great, um, yeah, for you to give a bit of an overview of yourself, your journey as a sales professional. You've obviously worn many hats and... Yep. got a, a, a great career I would say so yeah let's let's get stuck into it and your journey yeah I really appreciate that thanks it's it's um I think we'll probably go into the discussion at some point anyway because uh my route into sales is probably similar to what a lot of people's routes are into sales into a sales sort of role because I'm an engineer by trade my you know my first degree and all of my education when I left school was kind of going down that sort of engineering route um and I actually found myself joining a, a large corporate organization as an engineer. And right. by just a sheer sort of work of fate, I got an opportunity to join the sales team. I was asked by my then sales manager, would you like to ditch the tools and put a tie on one one day of the week <laughs> uh, and help us um, with some business that we, you know, maybe in a bit of jeopardy. And I was one of those guys that just sort of said yes to most things and just worried about it later. And um, yeah, I I, I, put, I donned a suit for one day of the week and it, it, it bit, it must be honest. Yeah. After that, the moment I put that suit on, it was almost like a, a suit of armor. I just, I just felt <laughs> sort of different with regards to it. So um, yeah, it was a real quirk of fate. I didn't intend to be in sales. It was never in my stars. I was always going to be an engineer. That was how my career was going to go. But um, it was almost like I found my calling a little bit because... Yeah. And, and luckily, I was joining an organization that's really believed in developing of the individual, right? They they saw potential and they just turbocharged the, the opportunity for me. So it was really weird. Over that sort of 14 years, I went from an engineer with a business supporting the sales team. And then that classic two or three years getting next opportunity, next opportunity, next opportunity. So I kind of went to count executive role, sort of full on sales, 100% sales role. And then I went into sales leadership, first line sales leadership. And then I just sort of worked my way up into the European organization then where I then headed up the sort of sales and marketing team uh, for Northern Europe. And and it was, you know, it was a wild ride for those sort of 14 years, that's for sure. Uh, but fantastic. It was a, fa- you know, an amazing apprenticeship in going from somebody who didn't want to be in a sales role to suddenly having some significant responsibility for sales and marketing teams. Yeah. you know with a, with a large budget so yeah and you know without going into every sort of role that i ever went into almost like a cv review for you guys yeah. i um, you know i think that experience plus other experiences in sales leadership and sort of md kind of roles i've i found myself in a in a fortunate position to be able to uh, purchase a big business in uh, two and a half years ago which is Salesgate north wales and all of the things that i've been doing in my career up until this point you know has served me well yeah. and gave me the ability to be able to grow this successful business and and to, to service my customers so it's all been an apprenticeship to get me where i am today so uh, yeah, yeah it's a typical story reason, right, right? Yeah, typical yeah. story. People don't tend to have an aspiration of getting into sales from school. They end up finding themselves in a sales role, and and off they go. So, and this is the thing, isn't it? Um, who goes to school and leaves and says, "I want to be a sales professional." Hopefully, that dynamic does change, because for yeah. me, sales is the greatest industry in the world. Obviously, yeah. I'm biased to my love of recruitment and working in recruitment, but in sales yeah. recruitment. But I genuinely think that sales is the best industry in the world uh, what other industry can you come in without the need for a, a degree and you know really excel progress your career earn good money and really develop as a person as well yeah. that's what it's yeah. taught me not about you but yeah so uh, uh you know we're 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 biased 
the, yeah. the, the, the name, the, the bias is in the title of the business, Sales Geek. <laughs> right? You know, I've been geeking out about this unofficially for years. Yeah. And um, yeah, for me, it's it's given me everything I could have ever sort of wished for in terms of my personal development. And I, I'm properly biased with it. I, it does surprise me that we talked about this before, didn't we, Mike? Mm. You know, if you spend a lot of time in the U.S., um, there, that is an aspiration from university to go into a sales yeah. role. And actually, a lot, a lot of large corporate organizations will proactively seek individuals to put them through a sales role first and foremost before they then go on to other senior leadership positions in the organization. And they really value it. And um, you just don't see that uh, in the UK at all. I know there are some organizations and some businesses that you know look at this, but there's a real shortfall between coming out of formal education and then going into that first sales role. And, and usually yeah. businesses are having to pick up that slack, aren't they? You know? What do you think the difference is in the UK and the US in that respect? I think it's uh, the regard that salespeople are held in. They're seen as professionals in the, in the US. And I'm sure there's a the fair share of charlatans and individuals that are doing the, the, the trade a disservice. But I think in the UK, I, I, do you know what, funnily enough, I, I was running a session the other day with uh, a, you know, a group cohort uh, session. And I, I run sales clubs as well and various other bits like that. And I always ask this question at the beginning, just because it's almost like a bit of a vox pop for the for the audience. Show, tell, you know, in the room right now, a show of hands, give me a show of hands of the, if you feel that you have a positive um you know view on salespeople in general as a profession as a profession and i get the odd one or two hands go up and i go who's sitting on the fence and who's neutral with it and i get a couple and yeah. who has a negative view with regards to sales as a and majority of the hands go up in the room and that's in every session i ever do just to kind of get a sense of it and you think well that's that's potentially their experience of, you know, people that are less than professional when they're in a sales type role. Yeah. Um, but that's the perception. And you go you go into the States and spend a bit of time and it's seen as a profession, right? Something yeah. to aspire to go into. And I think that's the, for me, it's a kind of cultural thing and how sales is sort of viewed by most people, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. It's a shame as well, right? But hopefully yeah. now over time it'll, um, it, it'll, it will change. It will, it oh, will I think change. It, I, I think, think some has. of that comes from the stigma with um, just certain types of sales yes. roles as well, isn't it? I think yep. Um, yep. people think of sales in a quite one-dimensional way. They do. Yeah. Yeah, very transactional. And I think it's unfortunate. And we won't, we won't shame the industries, but there are mm. some common industries that pop up as a result of it, where the individual, we talk about that all the time, we're trying to change the way the world perceives sales, right? Yeah. As, a, as you see it, and as I see it, as a wonderful opportunity to develop yourself and your skill sets and to be able to then take that into other successful roles and, and maybe in sales roles still. Um, but um, yeah, it's it's certain industries have given it that sort of transactional. Uh, you know, the the sales is the sales process is I want to sell you something that you don't want. Um, yeah. You know, trying to crowbar something, and and a few industries have given that sort of name to it. And and to be fair, there are a huge amount of sales professionals out there, and I think it, it, the worm is definitely turning. But we do have a perception issue, and we need to do something about that. And that's that's partly why I'm passionate about doing what I'm doing at the moment. That's yeah. a real good transition. And um, obviously, in terms of what you're doing now, then, um, Aaron, what can you give us a bit of a f feel of what sales geek is and you know what, you, what you're doing at this time? Yes, it's um, well, it, there's, there's the official on the tin version and what I actually <laughs> probably do. Uh, so if, if sales geek are listening right now or see yeah. this, it's, you know, I, I'll try and be as as as, as brand, uh, you know, that I'm doing the right thing. Um, but in, in reality, it was always um, interim sales leadership, um, yeah. and that was how it was positioned, you know, um, businesses in the SME sector, you know, and as you can imagine, they're going through various different challenges themselves. Um, we just uh, go into businesses and provide them sort of that fractional sales leadership, you're right, at the fraction of the cost of what it, it would cost to hire. And typically, I know, you know, the, the transition is we kind of make ourselves redundant and then probably somebody takes the role on a full-time yeah. uh, position, you know, as we develop the individuals to get there. So that's sort of the one aspect of it. And everything that you can imagine sales leadership involves, 
when working with these businesses. Um, and then the other side of it is more sort of sales training. So looking at performance of individuals who are currently working in, in that business and giving them the skill set they require to be able to turbocharge their performance. Um, but all these things are kind of interlinked, aren't they? So yeah, I, I yeah. tend to sort of start the engagement with some version of, you know, oh, I'll go in as a fractional sales leader. And it kind of morphs into a few things then. And then goes into a bit of a training role, maybe a bit of mentoring as well, because we have to be adaptable because most businesses don't have the luxury of being able to have a budget for each of those things. So, yeah, um, yeah so it's 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 multifaceted what we do, as you can imagine, from a sales leadership point of view, all of the things that you have to do on a day to day basis is phenomenal, right, For to, oh. to, to move the dials in the right direction. You've got to be a salesperson, a sales leader, yep. strategist, counselor. Yep. <laughs> operational what stage of the, of the businesses that you've you, you work with um Aaron what stage are they at in their um lifespan well it's it goes right the way through the spectrum really because um I mean we work with pre-startup startup scale up um you know more mature businesses going through that growth you know businesses that are looking for investment as well with an exit strategy mm. we're looking so we thought i thought it would be a certain demographic but actually you know through not through you know uh, purposeful targeting we we tend to work with and you know and have sort of a product or a service that can like apply to all of those. We tend to sort of work in that sort of S and the M part of the SME yeah. really. That's where we can add most value, where those business the businesses are looking to significantly scale up. Um, probably topped out at a couple of million pounds and what got them to that couple of million pounds then they they feel they don't have the skill set necessarily and the organizational structure to be able to then take it to that next level of doubling that sort of turnover so that's where we kind of tend that's our kind of sweet spot from that point of view but honestly we work with with all manner of businesses at various stages of their journey and we have to be adaptable in the service we offer them to be able to make sure that it, it meets their needs and their budget right yeah, I was just going to ask in terms of, you know, the, the plethora and the different kinds of businesses that you're working with. I imagine that there are probably a lot of common sort of challenges, maybe traits and behaviours that you're seeing. So I don't know, do yeah. you want to shed a bit of light as to what some of those things might be? If it could be, I don't know, sales training or, um, you know, recruitment. Um, what, what, are, what are the things that you're seeing? It's a great question because I've been putting a lot of thought in after two years of doing this now and having conversations with other sales geeks up and down the country, there are some common themes uh, and they do come through loud and clear, irrespective of where you are on that turnover, you know, we're on that yeah. turnover spectrum where you are, there's some common themes that run through it for sure. I mean, to put it back into your guy, you know, your world and we, what you guys are professional at doing, recruitment is for sure a challenge. Um, yeah and uh people in general over the last couple of years you know we all talk about pre-covid and post-covid don't we in terms of yeah uh you know that's certainly a challenge being able to find the right level of talent at the right time for your business you know so somebody coming with previous experience or somebody coming through that hasn't got that experience irrespective of where they are on that spectrum finding the right caliber of candidates with the right expectations is really difficult and is a real yeah. challenge for businesses. Uh, you guys probably know what the market is like, you know, more than anybody, right? In yeah. terms of the pressures at the moment, the challenges the businesses are finding, finding talent. Um, but the bit that then tees into that bit is that most businesses don't have a people don't tend to have a really nuanced people strategy, right? So they're not thinking about succession planning and development of the individual. So they find themselves having the, the need to go out to market for all of their talents rather than having a nice sort of pipeline of individuals yeah, coming yeah, to yeah. the organization that they could invest some time and effort into to be able to get them on that sort of. So that's definitely another another challenge. And that surprisingly, I thought, you know, when I was working with businesses that would be probably two million in turnover and above, that they probably on the journey to getting that cracked a little bit. But actually. Yeah. The reverse is they probably found themselves popping out a little bit because they don't have the talent to be able to get them to that next stage and they're realizing yeah. it a bit too sort of late. So so definitely those those two aspects of it, that sort of development of the individual. And I, I think, again, I, I've mentioned to others before, 
there was a, a huge sort of swathe of L&D departments taken out of business of all manner of sizes. And I get it in the short term. You see it as a an element in your business that's not providing a return on investment. But actually, it hurts your business significantly not to have a development structure to be able to ensure that your, your team and your talent is able to support the growth of the business going forward. So I think that's another theme that, that that's come out of a lot of businesses. Um, and who owns that is a bit sort of ambiguous in terms of who's actually leading that. Yeah, why do you think that is? Because if I think about um, candidates that we meet with, and it's always going to be a common reason for wanting to move on, it is development and feeling like they're working towards something, they're getting better at what they do, they're learning their craft better, and as a result, being more successful, not just professionally, but financially as well. Yeah, I, you know, I actually don't know what, what I think that's a, it, there's a P&L conversation mm. i think i think it's yeah. looked at i mean i find it as a common objection to sales training right yeah is yeah, that yeah. you know we're talking about investing in your people and turning skill sets around to underpin the growth and performance of your business which is what your aspiration is and, and yeah. connecting those dots should in my eyes obviously because i'm biased this is relatively simple to be able to it see makes that sense. yeah but for for business owners i think they're looking at it sort of just purely cost benefit and you know oh that's you know that's x thousands pounds that i might not be allocating in my budget this year because i don't see the importance of developing my team necessarily to be able to you know get the business where it needs to go to so and you know and and macro situations in the in the economy in general, right? When everything's kind of being compressed a little bit and everybody's looking a little bit to make some efficiencies in their business. So the first thing that goes is marketing. The second thing that goes is the sales training budget. And, you know, it's a hunker down mentality. So yeah. I think that could have a, an effect Feed on it for it. sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure and for certain. I think you've got such a, a unique um, perspective, Aaron, because you're working with businesses across a multitude of business sectors. Yeah. It's synergetic to what we do because that's I think that's one of the better things that I've always found interesting working in recruitment because you can be talking to one company that sells this, another company that sells that. And that's for right. a lot of business leaders and sales leaders, they can be quite insular because they don't yeah. talk to that many other businesses. So being able to have a conversation with someone and finding out what else is going on and why it's happening yeah. there and what these companies are doing um, differently. Yeah. it's a form of an outlet for them so i think that's you've got a really unique perspective in that um yeah but if you think about the companies that you're you're working with that have got yeah. that people strategy nailed or working towards having it nailed what are some of the things that they've incorporated or they've or you've helped to incorporate into that that is getting them from where they've been yeah. to where they want to be yeah it's that sort of classic four P's sort of stuff, isn't it, for us? You know, you're looking at the people reviewing the process yeah. and various of the product and various other stuff. Um, and I think I, I go back to my, you know, sort of initial introduction, right? I, yeah. I, I was ridiculously fortunate. It was pure luck that I joined an organization that fundamentally believed that development of the individual is going to underpin the success of the business. And actually, I can remember my old sort of sales leader mentor uh, very early on in my in my first line sales management career asking me a question. And he said, uh, Aaron, what's your primary responsibility as a sales leader? You know, and being new into that role, you thought this is a trick question, right? I'm, I'm <laughs> going to say, Really, it's sales, right? It's growing yeah. revenue is my is my primary goal here because that's what I'm. That's my end goal, right? Yeah. To, yeah. to put that ten percent on. And he sort of cut me to the quick because I said that, and I said it with with energy and vigor. It's sales, and he said, no, 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 no. It's your people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Good luck with any revenue growth. Good luck with any strategy. Good luck with anything else. If you're not developing your people and performance managing your people in a positive way, yeah. good luck with whatever targets you want to be able to hit. So you've got a mindset shift towards what are you doing to develop the individual and how are you, in, you know, raising skill levels and, and pushing performance and we're well, not pushing performance, encouraging performance. Right. Yeah. And so I only knew that environment. So I kind of was a little, little bit naive when I came out of that business after 14 years, thinking, well, everybody works this way, right? Um, <laughs> that, 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 Sounds that, like that, that guy was ahead of his time. Yeah. 
yeah, yeah to an extent yeah yeah but americans right as well so you know yeah. you know the, the positive with regards to a large corporate american business they kind of really understood that at the core of them so i've just i've not done anything groundbreaking in terms of my existing clients i've just tried to sort of morph that in as maybe in a smaller way to begin with and then scale that up in yeah. terms of asking that question first what are you doing to develop the individual tell me about what that process is and how you're going through that and then everything else will fall into place as a result of it. So it, it's not groundbreaking, and yeah. it might be just iteration for some customer customers or sort of larger sort of turnover. But fundamentally, through all of them, the theme is they don't have. They'll have performance reviews. They'll have one to ones. They'll they'll be looking at KPIs and they'll be looking at spreadsheets and various other stuff. Yeah. But they think that's the primary function of how you drive a sales. You know, team forward, and it's not. It's you know, there's a huge mindset and skill set piece underpinning all of that to be able to then do that next bit. Um, so for me, it's that sort of gradual introduction of well, let's look at the individual and let's look at their skill set, their mindset, and let's really assess that and analyze that first, and let's put something proactive in place to be able to help them. And surprisingly, when people get engaged that way, they tend to stay stay longer in a business, and they tend to not worry about the salary as much as they were because they feel like they you know the business truly cares about them succeeding and in return the business then succeeds right so yeah. you know that to me is critical um and is everything because we, we talk a lot about sales skills and it's vitally important right to being able to understand your sales skill set and break it down and improve that is vital yeah. right but what underpins all of that is skill set in general your mindset for sure and for certain yeah. the amount of times i talk about mindset in training first and foremost i start everything with mindset yeah. and then everything builds upon that that's just it's lacking in in some organizations because it's a performance sport isn't it sales yeah. it fundamentally ah. is a performance yeah. sport it's akin to to any other performance-led environment and you really have to think about that individual as an athlete, as a as a as a performer. So they've got to have all facets of their game worked on to be able to reach whatever levels of performance you want to reach. And and you get again, into I talk mindset then. Oh, you get into God. mindset because I can see Sam Chopper <laughs> the day he's leaning forward, he's thinking of asking a question. It's that yeah, space is no, probably no. where mine is. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> and obviously, we we speak about mindset all the time, Mike, especially with, yeah. within our team as well. So. Um, purely from your perspective and your point of view when we speak of that mindset yeah what does what does that mindset look like for you for someone to be successful in sales if you were to yeah to i mean you could just have a podcast on mindset right yeah. um, because it's so so crit critical um and so you know underutilized and not often discussed um so, you know, it's that classic thing, right? Growth and fixed mindset. It goes yeah. to ultimately, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, and I, I know lots of people put lots of words in front of mindsets, but ultimately they're, they're describing a growth or a fixed mindset in some form yeah. or another. And when we start any session with people, we talk about the concept of growth and fixed mindset. And we talk about some of the attributes that you can put towards an individual who demonstrates one mindset or the other. And similarly, like I said to you about your perception of salespeople, we sort of ask people, well, do you know of an individual who fits that attributes for a fixed mindset? And do you know an individual who fixed, you know, who has those attributes for a growth mindset? Yeah. And more often than not, most people straight away kind of, well, they don't put their hand up. They kind of look to the left and look to the right. <laughs> as if to, as they, you know, and, you know, but then the education piece, you, you talk to people about mindset in general, and there's not, there's a, a broader understanding of what that means, but not at the deep level to understand that it starts with that, right? With, if nothing else, if you've got that growth mindset, funnily enough, things start going well in your yeah. life. And, yeah. and we, we talked about this, I, I might be off topic a little bit. We talked about this the other day. There is a, there's been a sort of, um, there's a really great book, I think it's called Coddling of the American Mind, it's called, by Jonathan Haidt. It's a really fantastic book. Coddling of the American the cod, Mind. The cod, Coddling of the American coddling. Mind. Yeah, it's right, it's a really great book. Mm -hmm. yeah. And there's a lot of that in, in terms of um, what was very fashionable in a parenting style over the last, God knows how many years, was to tell your children that you're brilliant, 
and you're great at everything, right? Really building up yeah. their self-esteem, okay? And saying to that, 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 you know, you're perfect the way you are, right? Don't let anybody tell you any different, right? It's seen as a very positive way of parenting. But actually, there's a generation of individuals that are coming through that have been told that, and, and actually it's, it's developed a fixed mindset because they yeah. don't believe they need to, they're not thinking I'm not the finished article, they're thinking, I am the finished article, right? There's nothing I can learn and nothing I can do to develop myself further. And the opposite is actually true. And you just see that coming through in a lot of individuals that it's not negative or positive. It's just they don't know any different with regards to there's an element that it, things will come easy to me and I don't have to work at it. And I'm, I am the finished article where the opposite is actually true. And I, anybody that's ever gone through, and you guys probably hire for it all the time, you're probably looking at mindset and attitude primarily, right? And then the skill set and everything else and all the attributes and experience and knowledge comes after that. Yeah. But if you're coming at it from a point of view that I can't be any better than I am, then you're just going to get left behind very clearly in any organization. So mindset is critical to be able to develop yourself self-awareness and all that sort of stuff it's absolutely critical for performance and you can choose it on a daily basis and there'll be days when people will try to bring that mindset to a flip so it's hard work to actually be conscious of what your mindset is before you walk into any scenario so for me sam i don't know if you agree it's just fundamental it's fundamental It's a great answer. It's a great answer. No, I, I couldn't agree more. I'm, yeah. I am curious, again, to get um, a bit practical, Aaron. So if you think of the companies and the business leaders that you are working yeah. with, um, how are you sort of helping them coach and develop the mindset piece of their employees overall? Is there anything practical that you're that you're doing that maybe listeners can give you tips from? Yeah, I, I'll... It's a it's a it's a it's a difficult one because it, particularly if you identify you know through you you do your analysis and you do your yeah. skills gap analysis and you you do sort of performance climate and you do some disc and some other so so those are the, typically the tools we'll use to go into an organisation okay and you know it, it gives you sort of quantitative and qualitative data then to be able to to form a discussion you know, because you need to anchor it onto a discussion and asking the team and the individuals to, to feed back on this. It's probably the first time they've ever been asked that question yeah. or they haven't been asked it in a very long time. And if you, if you shortcut it by trying to have a conversation along the lines of, do you believe we all have a fixed or a growth mindset in the team right now? It can be quite challenging, right, to be able to, yeah. to ask that question. But if you underpin it with some analytical tools, to be yeah. able to start that discussion, usually that leads into the self-awareness type type conversation. And then you can have honest discussions with individuals in terms of how they view themselves. Um, and so we we foundation the foundational level is that things like disc. Yeah. I mean, there's all there's all manner of stuff, right? MBTI, yeah. disc, yeah. you know, there's they're all valuable, but the the, the critical bit for that is that gets that person to think about themselves. And that's probably the first time that they've honestly thought, hang on a second, how how do I react to certain situations? And how do I react interpersonally with other people? But it's getting them to think about themselves in a positive sense of how do I, how do I, how do I fit in the world here? To me, that's the, the, the starting point for that discussion, because it's a bit of a wow you know and yeah. you, you've probably done disc guys and all of that sort of stuff yeah. we ask the question do you recognize it so you know do go through it do you agree with it and most people go oh yes yeah, like looking in a mirror yeah. it's me and you go yeah. brilliant yeah. okay now we can form every part of our discussion from that you recognize it and if that's the case now you know how do you react to stress how do you react to performance related scenarios you know and it's those conversations can unearth whether or not that individual is ever going to be able because shifting somebody from a fixed into a growth mindset is really difficult, unfortunately, because it's probably years of thinking that way. It's really hard to change that around. But it's the first time that some person that maybe is in a slightly fixed mindset because of the environment they're working in has ever been asked the question, tell me about it, tell me about yourself and here's some information about yourself and let's have a conversation about that. It's the start of then how you turn that to, to, to and it can go one way or another, right? It can either embed yeah. that fixed mindset and then you've got a decision to make about the individual yeah. 
they or might, they can yeah. move into a growth mindset and and great that's the first tick in the box everything else can be built upon that then i think what you said um you said the word self-awareness which is where mindset starts isn't it? it's having the yeah. awareness of are you in a growth mindset are you on a fixed mindset and i think yeah. we can slip into fixed and growth different times of the day depending on how yeah. you're feeling have you um yeah have you read the um chimp paradox by I have, yeah. Fred Mike Steve Peters. Peters. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Steve Peters, sorry. Yeah, yeah. he was the um, he was actually the, the psychiatrist for the Liverpool Football Club, wasn't he? At one point when Brendan Rodgers was the manager. Um so he, he talked about Liverpool. But um he's got a, a new one, um Pathway Through the Jungle, which is more practical. And that actually says yeah. by the time I think for men, you are um twenty seven or 28 that your your personality is is formed yep. so yep. how how you you are personality wise it's fixed it can't be changed but one thing that can be changed is behaviors so how you behave so these brain pathways and connections they're ingrained that you are who you are but you can still yep. choose to behave and react differently causing such situations that's behavior piece is key isn't it which is where the mind it's a a choice though isn't it Uh, it, and people don't when you say to somebody it is a choice you do choose i mean you guys do you know done sales training and you know you guys are really great from a development perspective and you know you think of a training session you can see people choosing to change their mindset in training live and yeah. both ways, right? Going from a very fixed and what's this all about and I know it all kind of mentality to, a, oh, I'm really open with this and the flip of it as well. And you yeah. can see that behavior happening live in front of your face through body language and other cues, which are really important, right? To be able to identify this. Um, so it's, it is something that is by moment and it, there's other stuff. And I talked about it being performance led, you know, how you eat and how you sleep and how you generally sort of look after yourself mm-hmm. and inform those things as well. And behaviors is a really critical one as well, because most people aren't aware they're behaving that way. That's that self-awareness piece, yeah. isn't it? And, and and look at us talking now. We're, this is this is supposed to be sales, right, to some degree. And you're going, actually, we're not talking about sales necessarily and sales skill, because we're saying all of this stuff is actually critical to everything else that you build upon as yeah. a result of that. And actually, if you could spend a lot of time investing in that first and foremost, then when you want to impart skills and knowledge and get them to a point where they're then, you know, deploying those skills, they're much more open to it and much more open to trying it as well. You know, I've done training sessions where you know full well that you know, probably 30% of the room are going to go out and just go back to the habits that they were doing the day before. Um, yeah. And there'll be a small tranche of people that will actually go, wow, I'm going to implement this and see the difference. And that's it. Then they're off um, and away you go. So, um, yeah, I, I agree on the behavior side of stuff yeah. for sure. So, Aaron, I'm just thinking in terms of what we've seen as, as, as a real as a real trend, shall we say, um, <laughs> usually like um, the top of what well, you are. A success story in terms of someone who's become a salesperson become a sales yep. leader and been able to transition really well however mm. um when we speak to quite a lot of you know high performing sales professionals they tend yeah. to struggle to make that next step into a high performing manager right yeah. so i feel like companies do tend to struggle with you know helping these you know top performing salespeople. so why do you think that is why do you think it's such a challenge for or you know for, for someone to be so good at a at a sales role and then yeah. you know struggle in a in a managerial capacity oh, it's such a great question right and again just a just a, a, a podcast on its own um yeah. <laughs> if you want to put a, a poll out on linkedin and see yeah. how people sway between you know, can a great and high performing salesperson make a good manager, you yeah. know, put that out there. It's it's so it can it can like it can light the touch paper a little bit with yeah. regards to people's opinions on it. Cause I think depending on your perspective on yeah. life and how you see it and what lens, you'll like you'll get lots of different answers with regards to this. I, and and actually I probably sit on the fence a little because I get a, I get a little bit disheartened when I see individuals saying you can't be a high performing salesperson and then also be a high performing sales yeah. leader. Because that's not true let's yeah. just say that right now and that's doing a disservice to the probably thousands of people who've made that transition successfully right um yeah. and go on to do very well um 
And probably the key factor in a lot of that that's happened is that the business, either through themselves and through the work and how they're applying themselves, or through the business that they're part of, they've been able to identify some of the tweaks that you need to have in your skill set to be able to then lead a team versus then doing it yourself, you know, going from that managing self role into managing others is a bit of a transition. And and a lot of the traits that are in a high performing salesperson are traits in terms of, you know, mindset and attitude and all that stuff that you want to translate into your team. But what you definitely don't want to do is have somebody coming into the team and going, right, guys, just do it the way I did it. Right. Um, And you'll be successful. Um, And so for me, it can happen. But you just have to recognize in the individual. Well, first and foremost, are you now motivated by seeing success through others, other than seeing success through your own endeavors? Because that's a you, big thing, isn't it? It's yeah. huge, huge, right? Because it? you you've probably been there, and I was that salesperson. There's nothing have, better than yeah. that buzz of getting that contract, right? Yeah. I, I used to say to something: is there is something like you know the the dopamine hit dopamine that you can get is, in yeah. your heads, yeah. yeah. You know, of getting that contract through your endeavors, and it, you know, it could be making your targets for this year or whatever, you know, whatever it means to you. But there's a real hit with regards to that. Mm. I, how personally for me, how that transition happened was that actually I found that that hit from a, a dopamine point of view was even stronger when I saw another person in my team do yeah. that. Sure. There was something almost like proud parent moment almost which was unreal so i think it's that link to that motivation bit as well if if you don't feel that you'll get that you know that that absolute pleasure from seeing others do well as a result of what little support or major support you've given them then perhaps leadership isn't for you but and and answer that question first and foremost before you make that transition (laughs) because because in there lies frustration right because if you're an individual that's used to doing yourself and delivering through your own endeavors and now you're trying to performance manage a team in a positive way to get them where they want to and it's not quite working you can go back to some traits which no, don't necessarily work with others when you're working with them. So, you know, that that little that little bit between going from managing yourself to managing others, you know, motivation, delegation, conflict resolution, leadership traits and styles, all of those things have to be addressed in terms of whether or not you're interested in learning about those things before you make that transition. And then you can do it successfully and take all those traits that made you a winner and take it into your team. And this isn't a loaded question at all, um, but how important do you think um, the training, like professional training is for people that are making that transition? Because as someone that um, has trodden that path myself, um, I haven't had any um, professional training. One thing I've been huge on, and Sam knows as well, it's just taking care of my own self-development. I've got a passion for it. And yeah. for me, I'd without going into why I stepped into wanting to move into leadership, um, I'd, I'd always felt that that was the right direction for me from playing football when I was younger. I was always captain of teams, and in my yep. group of friends, I'd always been the person that sorts stuff out and leads. It just yep. I, I just came natural. But for me, um, I guess I've I've, I've learned on the job, made plenty of mistakes as people do, um, yep. tra- making that transition. I've taken care of my own self-development that's not to say formal training wouldn't have been great for me it probably would have um sure. but what, what do you think around that that's it goes into that fixed and growth mindset to some degree because um that's an innate thing isn't it mm-hmm. you know curiosity and wanting to learn more without yeah. waiting for a course to happen and training yeah. to happen I think when I go back to that original business, they used to say that don't think of training. There's lots of opportunities to develop yourself without going into a training session. And that's not to discount our training services, right? Yeah. There's a place for them, for sure and for certain. But with you, that's a that's an interesting point, right? Because you're saying you kind of recognized it yourself, right? And you probably had a level of curiosity and took that curiosity everywhere you went. Um mm. And, you know, it's um, what's the, the, the learn to earn or, you know, there's all those little yeah. sayings yeah. in regards to it. Is that Leaders are readers. 
comes out all the time doesn't it you know but again how if somebody you know doesn't like to learn that way and doesn't you know want to read a yeah. book or listen to a podcast or you know an I audio think book of a ryan for listening's podcast so yeah, I could. leaders and readers went well <laughs> yeah <laughs> Oh, I'll be thinking of that all day today now, Mike. Thanks for that. Yeah, trying to come up with something, um, you know. But that's that's a common trait. But the, the self-awareness that you had to recognise that, and you probably weren't too sure whether or not that could be put into something more formal, and then you find yourself probably saying yes to opportunities and then taking that curiosity into that and, and analysing your own performance. Not many individuals can do, have that innate in them, but it can be developed and it can be yeah. drawn and teased out of people for sure and for certain. Um, and, and you know, I probably say that if I look at all the, well, Sales Geek is a classic example. If you align yourself with like-minded and, and people with the right mindset, it's a fantastic environment because they're all bouncing off each other and going, oh, have you read that book? Yeah, have you seen that? Oh, that's a great... And being around individuals like that is just n- naturally inspiring, right? And yeah. I, probably, I probably only once in my career, if I'm, I'm totally honest, had the one time where I felt like I had a team around me that were all like that. And lo and behold, performance was excellent and where you would expect it to be. So, but, you know, going back to it is that that, that self-awareness that you had to go, hang on a second, I know I want to learn about this. I might not have the skill set. Actually, I've made some mistakes along the way, and I've learned from that more importantly. Because, again, going off topic, I say to people, you buy my failure. You don't buy my success. Yeah, you totally buy my failure. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's just because if I was to say to you, especially a business owner sat across the table who's going through all manner of emotions and ups and downs as a result of running the business, if I was to sit there across the table and try to present an image that it's all been rosy and fantastic in the garden for me, I'd be lying, you know, yeah. fundamentally lying. And I want to show some empathy with that person to say, hey, let me tell you, I've, I've had some stinkers in my life. I've made some terrible mistakes with teams and various other stuff. But actually, yeah. in there has been the learning, right? And, you know, that, that's the best university you could probably go to, isn't it? Oh, 100%. <laughs> that's a real good point. 100%. And as we're getting to, towards the, uh, the, the, the end, of, uh, end of the podcast now, I think we've got, we've got about five, ten minutes left. Um, I'm keen to sort of get, get your thoughts as we start to wind down on what, what you think, if you're looking ahead into 2024, um, and we don't know what's going to happen with the economy or whatever it seems like it's going to be pretty flat um yeah. what do you what do you think is going to separate sort of the best from the best in terms of sales professionals based on you know, the multitude of sales professionals yeah. that you engage with across the companies that you work with and just your general feeling yeah it's um i think we're at the in the pace of change unlike any other aren't we mm. i think just the way ways of working the tools and the systems and the processes we use to be able to engage with our buyer and the potential customer is, I feel like I'm in a personal transition, you know, as I try to keep keep up with the pace of, you know, uh, especially the newer generation coming through into sales roles as well. And I think the adoption of this, because, you know, AI, everybody knows about you yeah. know, the potential upside and the downside of it. Automation and data is yeah. going to be absolutely king going forward. And the businesses that emerge and are competitively, you know, able to you know, con- you know, continue to buck the trend and continue yeah. to keep the performance going are the ones that tend to adopt that quite early and you know and as we transition i think i was saying to somebody the other day you know it was very you know when i grew up in a sales role it was very much that kind of typical sales rep thing right where you'd go to visit a client a potential client you'd sit across the table with them and you go through a process and and encourage them to hopefully you know see benefit in buying your product and service to solve some of their problems but that's that's that buying process is becoming more and more diminished now and people are being removed from the buying process and i think Mm. businesses that blends the need for having a person at the right step of the process right step of the funnel right and that's Mm. the point of it not removing people from the process totally because that's a buyer frustration and we're not quite there yet 
the businesses that are able to automate their sales funnel and their pipeline and their processes with the right level of human interaction in between are the ones that are going to make the difference between success and not so much success because mm. so many businesses i'm working with right now are just so far away that, you know they don't even have a crm on board uh, right you know and so even larger organizations are only early adopting crm and how long crm been a thing right yeah, um yeah. so pace of change going so quick from a macro point of view and businesses are on that sort of tail behind it and i think the ones that are adopting it earlier and taking advantage of the generation coming through who are early wanting to adopt that and new ways of working are going to be competitively um, keeping their noses in front. So uh, to me, that's a huge change. And that's going to go quicker than we've ever seen it before. I think in the next you know, two years or so, just that AI piece, and it could be positive. We, know, we don't know quite yet. There could be a really positive thing, right? But you know, understanding that and integrating that in your business over the next couple of years. And the, and the last bit for me is, uh, sort of the final bit, is that we're, we're huge believers of that irrespective of where the economy is going and let's be fair at any one time the economy is either here or it's here right and it's going through some sort of version of that you know plan get yourself organized develop your people understand your value proposition understand your uniqueness you know really engage with your team so everybody's lined up with regards to that have a really strong three-year plan and go after it aggressively lo and behold Funnily enough, depending on where you are on that cycle, those businesses tend to smooth that out a little bit, yeah. right? It's no, it's no secret. And as a little thing, I I did a session recently where I said, you know, um, I set it up as, you know, uh, how to sell in in challenging times. And okay. I the the, the 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 first part of the session was, oh, by the way, guys, I know you're all probably looking for secrets from me or some tips or some easy shortcuts as to how you do this. But there is no secret with regards to it. It's exactly the same as what it would be to run a business successfully, whether it's in good times or bad times. Yeah. So you've got to look at it through the lens. Are are you right now just coping with just operating in general and, and yeah. succeeding in general? Um, and and I can see the deflation in the room because they're all expecting some sort of great hints and tips. Sort of silver bullet. How, yeah. how you can magic yeah. wand it. But it, it isn't, right? The, the things that get you to where you what are the things you have to double down on and repeat to get you where you want to be in the future? So, yeah, for sure. Yes, I've got a question. And I think back to obviously your time starting out in, in as an engineer, becoming a sales pro, sales professional right the way through to where you are. Um, I'm going to ask for some hints and tips. Um, so um, <laughs> they, they aren't going to be, uh, I'm, I'm hoping that you'll be able to share, but um, you've obviously you've obviously interviewed and um, assessed loads of different people across your career. So if you were just to give us maybe three questions as a interview yeah. format style that you think are your favorite questions, just in a regular Blimey. interview. Great. It's, a, it's, yeah. it's <laughs> a great question, right? Yeah. So everything is sales. Mike, you believe this. Sam, I'm sure you believe this. Everything is sales. When you get into this, you start to realize that everything, every interaction is sales. And what better scenario in an interview? um, It's a sales call, right? It's no difference to a sales call. You approach it the same way as you would approach going to a prospect, right? You do your your homework and your preparation. You really start to, you know... um, understand the business that you're going to you do your homework you do the next level of homework as well because we tend to see it is people do homework and swap but you actually do the next bit that's what breaks the difference between you and somebody else um and so it's a sales call so asking great questions is a skill set isn't it is in, in a salesperson, we say being able to understand how to ask great questions and when to ask questions is is critical. So if you're coming into a job, uh, you know how I'm gauging the person across the table if they if I'm interviewing them is if they're asking me great questions, yeah. because it's showing something to me that they have got the ability to go into a sales role because they have that skill set down. You know, and in terms of ask particular questions. I know this is going to sound really twee, and you guys are going to probably hate this, right? But I love—I—I I, I, are probably going to coach people not to do this. Right? Don't listen to him. <laughs> but the, the, it's an oldie and a goldie. But I like strengths and weaknesses. Yeah. I yeah. love strengths and weaknesses. Um, and because w- when you ask people strengths and weaknesses, they just go, "Oh, strengths and weaknesses." Okay. And you go, "Okay," but genuinely. 
tell me what you believe a strength is in your game and what a weakness is. It's asking the individual to think about themselves for a moment. Yeah. And in some cases, and I've been interviewing a lot recently for, for a client, it stumps a lot of people because yeah. they've not been asked that question before. Yeah. And so they want to present themselves positively with all of the strengths. Yeah. And then when you go to the weaknesses part, they look reluctant to be able to say that because they're thinking, well, I'm in an interview here. I want to make sure I'm presenting myself yeah. in a really positive light. But actually, I'm looking for somebody to say more about their weaknesses than I am about their strengths. Because that's showing a lot to me about that person across the table. And, you know, not just going, what's a strength and weakness and just ending it at that. The reason behind it is the self-awareness part of it. And have they ever thought about this? Right. And has anybody ever asked them that question? And I love the little, um, I don't know what you think about this, but I love what else. Yeah. I love that question. What else, right? In what context? Because, right. So I get, it's, a, it's a lovely little bridging question because, um, so uh, how we start, we say, you know, so, you know, what's your understanding of the role and the business and what have you done to be able to, you know, educate yourself about who we are and what we do? Right? Sure. Yeah. And the person across, I, I want to separate the person that's done some homework to the person that's done a lot of homework and can truly understand the role they're coming to, right? Yeah. So what I oh, I always ask, and I do, ask it in loads of scenarios, and I you know always it's a lovely little question to ask. They they will come across with, well, I've been on the website and then I looked at this, I had a quick look at LinkedIn, and I saw this person, and what they're saying is, I think I've done enough work here. But what I'd love to ask is. What else have you done? What yeah. else? Yeah. And that flummoxes so many people because they think, well, well, what else do I need to do? And then you you get them thinking about, well, hang on a second, there's probably a lot more I could have done, right? I could have rang somebody, I could have set up a Google alert, I yeah. could have I could have done so much to get the homework. Because if you're coming for a job with me, I really want to feel like you really want to be here. And yeah. you really educated yourself about what you've done, not just gone on my website and had a quick look at a couple of pages, you know. And so that what else bit is is a, is a really great question. So strengths and weaknesses, what yeah. else is a, is a is a really good one, I suppose. Have I got a third one? No, for me, it, it goes into that questioning bit, because if you can hold a conversation with me and you can yeah. ask me great questions, you've done your homework and you really show you're showing desire for me. I'm just imagining you sitting across from a customer. And if you yeah. can do that with me in a, in a high pressured scenario that is a job interview, chances are you could do it very well with a, a potential prospect and a customer. So that takes a huge box for me. And the rest is then skills and experience, right? Yeah, spot on. 100%. Aaron, thanks very, very much for your time. I absolutely love that conversation. It was brilliant. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Thank you, guys. Really it's been fantastic. It. Yeah, really good. Where can people find out more about you if they want to connect and reach out? Oh, so um, I can't believe as a 50-year-old man I'm saying that. Go to my socials. Uh, <laughs> 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 yeah, but uh, no, uh, mostly on LinkedIn. I mean, I think most people can connect with me on LinkedIn and have a look at my profile. And most of the stuff's on there. They can obviously go to the Sales Geek website, uh, but that's sort of more broadly uh, about Sales Geek and our, you know, our ethos and our mission and values. But yeah, LinkedIn is is where you can find me mostly. And um, I can't believe my 50-year-old self is saying that because if you'd have asked me that 10 years ago or five years ago, I would say I wouldn't have said LinkedIn. But yeah, LinkedIn, go to LinkedIn, connect with me on there. Great. Okay, well, thank you everyone for listening. Hope everyone enjoyed that episode and got a lot of value from it. We definitely did. And we'll see you all again next week. Thanks a lot, guys. Cheers, guys. Cheers, guys.